Did you know that Positive Birth Australia has now ventured into the world of birth pool hire? For those of you in Australia planning a home birth or considering laboring at home before jetting off to the hospital, we've got something special for you. Click the link in our show notes to express your interest in hiring one of our beautifully designed, aesthetically pleasing birth pools. Currently, we have on offer two stunning colors with more amazing shades on the way to our shores soon. It's time to move beyond the commonly used stark blue birth pool and embrace natural calming elegance. We are so excited to see our PBA birth pool supporting you in your birth space. Welcome to Positive Birth Australia, a podcast created to empower and educate mothers along their own pregnancy journey. Each week, I'll be sharing insightful and inspiring birth stories and advice in the hopes to help you create your own positive birth experience. I'm your host, Sky Marie. Let's get into today's show. Welcome back, everyone. Today, I dive into all things birth with Anna from the Spiritual Midwife and the host of the Natural Birth Podcast. After years of holding space for women, it was a natural progression for Anna to enter the birth space. Her time studying and practicing as a midwife exposed her to the many flaws of our broken maternity system, a system she would ultimately step away from in pursuit of her passion to educate women on the power of natural physiological birth. Today, we speak on topics such as fear-based birth narratives, our over-medicalized maternity system, and the impacts this can have on birth outcomes, birth as a rite of passage, and so much more. Anna is a leader in changing the birth narrative, devoting her life to helping women reclaim their birth as a rite of passage. Enjoy the show. Anna, welcome to Positive Birth Australia. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. Could you just start off by telling everyone a little bit about yourself? Sure. So I'm actually Swedish. So I currently, I'm currently actually in, in Thailand. So I'm quite nomadic the way I live and <laughs> how I live my life. Um, so currently I'm just here for a month doing some work over here. But um, I actually... Um, lived in Australia on and off for 14 years, especially the last seven years straight I've been in Australia until I returned just last year with all of the pandemic, you know, stuff going on. I felt like I needed to be close to blood family. My parents are getting older and so on. So I um, brought myself back to Europe for the last one and a half years uh, now. So I actually, I'm an Australian midwife. I became a midwife in Australia um, I used to live in Byron Bay and when I when I got to Byron so I'm also a women's work facilitator yoga teacher and coach and I've worked with women for the past decade or more holding sacred space and women's circles and, and working intimately with women and so becoming a midwife when I got to Byron and I realized I could walk alongside home birthing midwives that about 25 percent of women would have home births in Byron and the rest most always would have a, a birth center birth which essentially is almost the same in Byron as it is to have a home birth you just kind of go to this other you know, space that's not your home, but essentially most women will have a natural 
physiological birth and it's very homely. Mm-hmm. So I was very attracted to that and to birth as a rite of passage. And so I decided to become a midwife <clears throat> um, there for that reason. Yeah. And um, today I've actually stepped out of working as a midwife, as a registered midwife, um, because, you know, you can definitely work as an independent midwife um, and it's beautiful, but the current maternity system, if you are independent, it's very much a witch hunt mm. on midwives. It's quite, um, um, yeah, it's quite a commitment to be an independent midwife. And I saw that what really need is needed in the world is education around the physiology of birth and to change the birth narrative, which you so beautifully are doing through your podcast, featuring positive birth stories, you know, to really give that um, airtime. You know, I also have a podcast called The Natural Birth Podcast, where all the um, all the birth stories are natural and positive and empowering, right? And we need more of this. We need a storytelling around this to change the birth narrative that today is just so filled with fear. So. Yeah my my mission i guess in life has become that i am so passionate about educating young women first-time mamas about the power of birth about the physiology of birth how amazing our bodies are to claim being woman to claim being cyclic you know it starts from so early on that we deny women just the being woman you know for most women they'll take a pill or do something to not have a cycle or control their femininity in a sense, right? Instead of embracing being cyclical and being woman in this world from that, you know, cyclical beingness, not from, you know, taking that away from us and then going into, oh, I have to show up as, as the masculine every day. So, you know, it really stems from that, right? Which I worked so much years before becoming a midwife working with with men are working with uh, cleaning the blood, femininity or sexuality and so on. And then it just kind of translated into also then birth work. And now that's mostly what I do is working with women to claim the rite of passage, to optimize their chances of having a natural and empowering birth in a maternity system that, you know, 33% of women, one in three women will have a traumatic birth in our current uh, modern uh, maternity system. So Yes, I'm very passionate about this that they can hear. And um, um, yeah, and so I actually work mostly online nowadays. That's why I can be so uh, fluid where I am based um, because I do work mostly with coaching and online education with women as well as walking alongside them in the birth room as well and preparing physically with them. But um, most of my work is online today. Yeah. You do such incredible work. I've followed you for many years now and your podcast is one of my absolute favorites to recommend. So it's very exciting to have you on the show today. Oh, thank you. So just quickly for anyone that doesn't know, because I know this will be a question on people's minds, um, you haven't had any children of your own yet. Is that a conscious choice that you've made or is it just simply something that hasn't unfolded? Um, so, you know, with everything in life, it hasn't, that hasn't been my life path yet. You know, I, it's definitely something that I would love to have children. Mm -hmm. It just hasn't been where I 
have found myself in life yet yeah okay perfect yeah so it's been very much kind of holding space for and mothering others in my world yeah. more so than actually going into that space myself mm -hmm. and just trusting that life you know I am here to serve and whatever is going to come in my way will come in my way when you know divine timing that's kind of how I see life and yeah. surrendering you know any kind of um for me any um if it's meant to be it'll be yeah. yeah I love that thank you so you were already in the space of supporting women facilitating mm -hmm. women's circles was there any particular pull into the midwifery side mm. um, like did you have any women around you that had experienced you know transformative birth that sort of helped lead you into the birth space or no it's really I think I think midwifery you know what I just I think I've been a midwife in previous lifetimes I just feel like yeah, okay. you know what midwife is like the you know except for prostitution you know midwife is the oldest profession when it comes to you know what woman can do right it's like it's this it's this I don't know it's just in our DNA I feel mm. um you know um and it, it was somehow just this natural progression I, I ended up I did um become friends with a midwife in Byron and I think midwifery has been with me since I was young, you know, that, but I never, ever wanted to be a midwife in the system. I never wanted to be a medical midwife. I've never wanted to work in hospitals. I've never been attracted to the medical model of care. I became, you know, very early when I was 17, I started studying nature medicine, Ayurveda, Chinese medicine, massage, yoga, different massage forms. Um, just the alternative, more natural way. And I've always been geared towards that. And so I've never been attracted to becoming. So in many places around the world, for example, Sweden, where I'm from, you have to become a nurse first before you come a, become a midwife. And I never wanted to do that. And I think it's a very important thing, actually, that midwives aren't nurses, actually, because you are then indoctrinated into a medical model of care and then you come become a midwife, but you have that view, you have that yeah. way of viewing the human body as separate parts. And as, you know, it's very different from the holistic way of seeing women in midwifery and also in the more, you know, nature-based um, ways of viewing health, right? Health care and preventive care. So for me, when I came to Byron, I guess, because I could see there, I could become a midwife straight without becoming a, a nurse. I could become a midwife straight into uni. Um, and also I could walk alongside these midwives. So I'm very fortunate because most people who become a midwife in Australia don't have that. Because that area I was living in had such a, it had the birth center. It had uh, so many home births. I had that privilege and honor that I could do that. So most will just experience big tertiary hospitals. Most midwives will learn the craft of midwifery. They'll learn about the history, her story, right, midwifery history, and, and learn about woman-centered care and more of a holistic view. But then they come out into the system that is the absolute opposite. Mm -hmm. And they, you know, and they get taught. And, you know, I was a part of that system too, but not fully because I had... 
I had the access to the birth center and to the home birth midwives where I did most of my mentorship, most of my practice. So you didn't ever really have to work in the heart of the system? I, I did. I had to do placements there as well, for sure, in all the different areas, everything from the theater to birth suites to neonatal, you know, the NICU kind of thing, the special care nursery, uh, postnatal ward, antenatal ward, all of that, of course, because it's a part of, um, part of the uni degree. But then because where I lived, I could do most of my continuity of care. So all the women I followed throughout my three years were all based in that area. So all of them had either, either birth center births or home births. And then um, I did my mentorship with a midwife, you know, with, I don't think, over 30 years experience with home births and birth center births. So it was, I was exposed to so much normal, so much physiological birth, which um, was how I wanted to work. Um, but also, had I not been that exposed to that, I would probably have gone, become so fearful of birth that I would never have dared to be a home birth midwife or trust in birth as I do today. And that's unfortunately how most midwives go out from uni straight into big tertiary hospitals. And all they see is medicalization of birth, which is increasing constantly in our systems today. You know, we, the induction rate is just going through the roof. Um, women are being induced way too early already offered maybe at 39 weeks today which is crazy especially when you look at first-time moms usually will have their first baby around 41 40 plus 10 days right yeah like so they usually will be in that last week before you know what we say is the term a month right however for some it will be even you know 43 weeks right coming into that week but you know in saying this it's like we're robbing women all over the world of their right of passage, of trusting their bodies. Again, you know, it starts from young maidens of not trusting their cycle, not trusting bleeding, you know, not trusting being a woman so early and then continuing that cycle of not trusting birth, not trusting our, our beautiful, amazing bodies that are so designed to birth yeah. babies. Speaking of rites of passage, could you share with us why you feel that birth is a rite of passage? Well, it's, I mean, the birth in itself is such a portal, right? So if you actually have a fully physiological natural birth, which I would say very few, I don't even know if I can say 5% of our population, maybe even less, you know, maybe that's too generous, actually have that today because most will birth in hospital and it will be meddled with it will be poked and prodded it will be um, intervened with mm -hmm. because that's just what happens in the system i i just wrote a blog post about um, the routine hospital birth procedures and if you just look through them you go oh my god this is for every woman yes like there's so much that is done to women especially in hospital you you know you're quite more more safe from that in the birth center, but then they might have, they might be connected to a hospital. So they might have all these policy and guidelines they have to follow. And if you don't, if you don't stay in that low risk category, which is getting smaller and smaller and more narrow and narrow, then you're sent to the hospital anyways. And so, I mean, really, if you want to have a natural physiological and empowering birth today, I would say you you should have a home birth with an independent midwife. And if you can't, for some reason, you can't afford that or it's not available where you're at, you need to fully educate yourself and claim your birth 
um, and understand everything that goes on in in the system, you have to do that. You have to do like really big research mm-hmm. to actually not become a statistic. You know, as I said, like one in three women have birth trauma today. And I think there's probably more, but that's like, that's what officially everyone talks about in the system. And so if in the system they say that, I think it's even higher than that. But you know what I mean? That's that's too much anyways. Yeah. And so what you just asked me, you know, why is it a rite of passage? First of all, the birth. So again, if you have a physiological birth, you will like the, the cascade of hormones that play out only when having a physiological birth can bring woman into a trance-like state, out-of-body experience that, you know, it's like, it's such such a high, you know. Most women that I've been with who've had a natural physiological birth at the at the pushing stage will have like these micro sleeps in between. There's this, this, the nature is amazing when you allow the hormones to play out fully. There is pain relief in those hormones. There is so much love and, and, and amazing feelings that can be filled in your body as well as the intensity of the contractions, the intensity of the waves or whatever you want to call it. And yes, it's painful. Like I would say most women would probably think that, yes, that, you know, experience that as painful, but that's not all of that, all of what it is, you know? And I think that's where we get stuck. It's only that fear of the pain that kind of takes over instead of realizing that it's power. You know, if you lean into those powerful surges, contractions, waves, there's power in that, there's transformation in that. And it's called a right for a reason. It's not easy. You know, throughout the ages, childbirth has been compared to men going to war. Like it is, you know, you have to gather all your strength and power. It is a challenge, but you come through it. It's a it's a power to have gone through that as well, you know, yeah. just in itself. But also there is such a huge transition, especially the first time, but every time you have a baby, there's a big, big transition happening from maiden to mother first. But then with each baby, there's a different constellation in your family. It's a change. It's a new being coming into earth. And this too is something that no one is really prepared for. And I think that's why we're seeing so many women experience postpartum depression is because there hasn't been a preparation and understanding that your entire life will change. A lot of people think that you can just have a baby and then you just continue as normal. You just bring your baby with you to all the things you used to do or you just continue life. And that, I think, is setting people up to fail and to struggle coming into motherhood and parenthood, both men and women. So it's such a, you know, it's such a, what the current culture and climate is doing is that people are not prepared for birth and for even wanting to claim it or experience it, but want to be saved from it. Mm -hmm. And then they're not prepared for the massive transition that it is to actually then become a parent. And all of that is the rite of passage of birth. Yes, yeah, I love that explanation. As you were talking, it brought to mind a conversation that I had with uh, Dr. Sarah Buckley, where she goes into greater detail about um, the science behind birth Mm -hmm. and how Mother Nature has truly thought of it all. And one of those things that came to mind was um, 
this beautiful hormonal flow that happens um, and it helps you to feel connected with your baby, which is something mm. I, I don't know about you, but I often hear with mothers, they struggle to connect with their b- babies in that first few weeks or even months sometimes. Mm. Um, and then once you do some digging, you'll find out that in some way their hormonal flow was interrupted. Yeah. So it kind of comes back to what you've just said. You know, you go through this huge transition from maiden to mother and then also as parents with your partner, while simultaneously feeling disconnection from their baby, which is a huge thing for a mother to feel, you, it makes sense why birth as a rite of passage has been lost and yeah. mothers are instead left thinking that they're broken. It does. And this is not prioritized or seen or even validated within the system. Mm. Even though we know this, you know, Sarah Buckley is amazing, her research and, you know, Rachel Reed and so many amazing um, midwives um Hannah Darlin, you know, all of these amazing Australian researching midwives who bring all this evidence to the table, but it's still not implemented into the very broken system that, you know, many would say it's not broken, it's working perfectly to do what it's designed to do, the hospital systems. And it it only sees, it still sees women through the lens of what they saw 100, 200 years ago, you know, these men who just said oh a woman a woman's body is parts and we can do this to this part and this to this part and it's not connected body mind and soul at all even though we know today obviously we are but that's not how you're viewed in hospital yeah so it's so important so important that you choose you know where to birth and with whom wisely you know it's so important that's a huge part of the rite of passage and a huge part of what I work with women with, you know, we work with the whole thing of like, you know, facing your fears and where do you feel most safe to birth and how can you prepare uniquely for, you know, your, your body, your mind, your soul and heart, you know, what is the birth team that you're employing or inviting into your birth space? Mm-hmm. And they're really going through, you know, if you, if you are choosing to have a hospital birth, you know, you need to know all these routines that they are going to offer you and you know you need to know that you can decline you can accept and you can decline and you need to look at all of them and go which one do i want to accept and which one do i want to decline and which one maybe there's an alternative there's always alternatives and often it's not spoken of in the hospital you know so it's always alternatives to everything yeah yeah so true and this is something I always harp on about, but um, interventions don't always come in the form of drugs and instruments. For some women, yes. an intervention that could stall their labor could be something as small as, you know, a question being thrown their way while they're trying to labor. Or, yeah. you know, for me, I actually realized now that I don't like being witnessed in the birth space. So just mm-hmm. having those extra eyes on me keeps me in my logical brain where I'm analyzing my environment rather than uh, going within and connecting with my body and baby. So I've always felt like that's such an important question for women to sit with when deciding on the best place for them to birth. Yeah. And, you know, I'll send you the link to the blog post, which I, you know, this is information I usually just gave to my clients, but it's, it's very much information. It's really long, but if you, if you know that your audience is most of them, maybe want want to have a hospital birth, I really encourage everyone to look through the list of all the routine procedures that is going to be offered from the first, you know, just like blood pressure, taking your pulse. You just, if you know about all of them, you know their frequency, you know, this is going to be every 15 minutes, this is going to be every half hour, this is going to be every hour, every two hour, 
every four hours, then you can go, hey, let's sit with this. And you can sit with your midwife or your doula or your partner and go like, I don't want this as frequently because nothing is law, right? We have to remember that. And this is the thing. This is all about the claiming of your right of passage. So you can claim it in the hospital. You go, I choose not to have routine vaginal examinations because this and this and this. I choose not to do this. You know, I want to have a vaginal examination if I ask for it or if there's an actual medical reason. You know, you can put it out like this, right? And you can discuss this with your care providers before you go into labor and birth. It can be in your birth plan. And this is why I want everyone to have this information beforehand to really make educated, informed decisions and claim, again, claim their birth. Mm -hmm. Because you might just birth once or twice, but, you know, it's not many times in your lifetime that you're going to go through this very very important event in your life and it's up to you mm. to claim it yeah and then that sets you up right it does set you up because you know we have if you look at it you know if, if one of three women walks out of their birth feeling traumatized that's a third of all women in society broken or feeling like they're broken or not being able to be you know, they're, they're happy, full, whole selves for maybe some quite some time, maybe years after birth. Some, it's like they're in their 80s and they cry when they talk about their birth. You know, it's unhealed for such a long time, right? And so who are they in the society? What are they going to contribute to the society? Will they, will they contribute to a society that is pro-woman, is, um, you know, is going to be better for the future? Probably not, you know, they're going to, be closer to home, they're going to care for their children, but they probably won't have that energy or that passion because you're not if you're depressed or if you're carrying trauma, mm. right? Until you heal it, of course. And so it affects our whole society that women are walking out of their births feeling like this. And their families, maybe that will break down their family, the connection to their babies, all of it that like you just spoke of, the bonding of their babies and them. Yeah. And I've heard that a lot with women who might have had first and, you know, a traumatic birth and then had a home birth. The difference in their levels of feeling connected to their child is vastly different, vastly different. Mm -hmm. And it shouldn't be like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What about birth fears? What are some of the most common birth fears that come up? Oh, fears. Yes. So... The most common, it depends also who you talk to, if, it, if it's someone who's planning a hospital birth or a, like a home birth. So they are different, the most common ones. But so with, and, and remember that I work with women who wants to have a natural physiological birth in all those different settings. Yeah. So it's also geared, like it's coming from those kind of women. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that would be different from maybe someone who doesn't have that as a preference. So, so if, if you're going into hospital, then one of the biggest fears is to be intervened with or to not be listened to, to not, um, to not like that their birth plan or wishes will not be um, respected. Yeah, respected and heard. Yeah, or followed. And the thing is, when you walk into hospital, if you don't have like a private obstetrician, and I would say, if you're going to have a private obstetrician, you need to do your research again on saying, is that obstetrician pro-natural birth? There are very few of them out there. Most of them are very good at cesarean sections and inductions and medicalization of birth because that's their genius zone, right? We have to remember that midwives are, you know, the experts of normal 
and the obstetricians are the experts of medicalization of birth and so you want an OB you want uh, that if you are having a high risk birth and you know you you need medicalization of birth to happen um or you're going to have you know an epidural you're going to you know go that route then yes you know the, they are experts at that whereas midwives are the experts of normal mm. walking that's what i would say would be if you then can maybe have a doula with you who's going to be a very strong advocate for your wishes and for your desires and preferences and if you can't afford that or that's not what you want, then I would say you need to have someone with you that is going to be that advocate and it shouldn't be your partner. Especially the first time around, you know, your partner's going to be as scared and as overwhelmed, if not maybe more than you the first time around because he or she's going to witness you in perceived pain or distress potentially. You know, it's going to be a big thing to see someone you love go through birth, especially if you've never seen a birth before. And you, even if you have educated yourself and you know kind of what you can expect, it's still going to be the first time, it's still going to be the first time. And you are not the expert, you know, and the partner shouldn't have to be the expert. So if a doctor or midwife says we have to do this or we're doing this now, this is routine, then they might not be the strong advocate for you, even though you had planned already to decline something, for example. Mm -hmm. So I would say to have someone in your corner that's not your beloved, but maybe your best friend or someone who, who you can have with, who really trusts birth, who really understands the physiology of birth, have someone with you into the birth space like that, that can do that, that talking for you. Because you should not be in your neocortex. You should not be talking. You should not be thinking. You should just be in your birth process. Mm -hmm. And so that's one of the biggest fears for someone going into hospital. Um, I also have, obviously, both scenarios, home or hospital birth center, fear of the pain, you know, fear of bleeding, and fear of the baby, you know, needing help, the baby not being okay when baby's born. Those are the biggest fears. Then then you also have a fear of pooping in labor, which yeah. I, you know, most women have. Yeah. Most women have that. It's obviously not a like a life-threatening fear, but it's a fear. And and actually it's a fear I, I also talk about because it can hinder the natural birth process if you don't let go. Right. So yeah, so the birth process is all about surrendering. Like before birth, you should do all your prepping, all your research, all your, you know, you can control everything pre-birth. But as soon as that first contraction starts, you need to fully surrender and trust your body and the birth process and to trust that this journey will take you where it's supposed to take you. And to have the people around you that you know is going to hold a space for you to have the birth that you desire and trust that if something does deviate from the normal, that that's just how it's going to unfold and you're going to trust the process. But this is the time where you need to let go and trust because that's going to be the ticket to the best possible outcome. You know, women in a coma can birth a baby. That's how amazing our bodies are. The womb can birth a baby without your assistance. You don't have to push. You don't have to do anything. You will birth your baby if you get out of the way. And so most of the time, our minds and the fears that we might have 
get in the way of the natural birth process to unfold as smoothly and harmoniously as possible. Yeah, yeah, I resonate with that so deeply because I know for me, the my mindset was my biggest downfall in both of my births. Yeah. Um, so I've experienced that firsthand and my story is proof that just knowing how birth works doesn't actually mean that you will move out of the way mentally. Yeah. You really have to commit to doing the deep inner work and mm. um, also unlearning the stories that we've grown up with, right? The, you yeah. know, that my story was women's bodies are broken, we need saving, birth is dangerous, your baby could die. Um, and even though I knew the ins and outs of physiological birth and what best supports that, once I got to a um, certain point in my pregnancies, particularly with my twins, I was shocked. Like on reflection, I'm actually shocked at how quickly I reverted back to um, that narrative and belief that my body was broken because I hadn't birthed my babies yet. So you're yeah. absolutely right. Mindset is so powerful. That's it. And, you know, and this is, again, this is one of the root causes to why we are seeing what we're seeing today is that we have been taught from the get-go that birth is a punishment. Yeah. You know, and the bleed is a curse and birth is a punishment. Mm. Now, if we reframe that, if we become friends with our cycle, if we eat and live harmoniously with our cycle, we listen to our hearts and our intuition, actually the bleed, our, our menstrual cycle doesn't have to be painful you know, all the dysregularity we see today comes from not accepting who we are as cyclic beings and not listening to our cyclic beings. If we would flow in our natural cycles and not stress and push ourselves and eat lots of sugar and caffeine and all the things that really hurt our cycles and creates a more painful, crampy period, for example, we wouldn't have so much of the dysregulation we're seeing today. It's very much a lifestyle-based why we're seeing all of this if you ask anyone outside of the biomedical model obviously which you know you really should if you have any of these issues mm -hmm. and the same with birth if we reframe it in our mind as something powerful that's going to show us our strength something we're excited to experience that we are strong enough to face birth that we are meant to birth our babies that is the rite of passage that most women will successfully do without any kind of needing any kind of help the only thing we need is to be loved and supported fully held in this portal that we're going through and if we are most women will do so and not need any kind of medical intervention or help but instead we're coming from a place of thinking that it's a curse that as you said why is god why are we cursed to have to, you know, because that's from the Bible, right? That Eve is supposed to suffer through childbirth. And so it's very much in our subconscious psyche that this is our curse to bear and our this is a punishment. And so if we go into that and then we only see in all video, like all Hollywood movies, we only see women screaming on their backs mm. out of their wits, right? Um, on their backs, someone saving them and ridiculing them, really. I feel every time I watch a movie and I see birth, I feel like it's such a ridicule. It shows women as this weak, weak thing, which is not, if you actually watch a woman give birth, it's one of the most powerful things you'll ever see. Mm. One of the most powerful things you ever witness is a woman in her power giving birth. There's nothing more powerful. And women who go through that and really claim her birth, 
I can't tell you how many women have told me just after their birth, first of all, I want to do that again. When can I do that again? Like yes. literally after birthing. And also say, if I can do that, I can do fucking everything. Yeah. <laughs> and imagine those women coming out instead of the broken ones with trauma, you come out feeling like you're invincible and unstoppable and you can change the world. Then women will change the world. See, this is where it comes from. The crux of what I want to speak of this is I want the world to change. And the only way we can do that is actually starting with birth, both for the children born into more of a gentle, loving, conscious way of, of being born, but also the mothers being born through birth right and the warrior rest that she becomes when she's birthed her baby in her power mm. yeah wow that gave me goosebumps mm. let's talk about the 40 days um the first 40 days why is it so important for women mm. to take that rest in the first 40 days after giving birth well it's said in many different traditions around the world you know and you can find this in any, in any culture around the world and also the western used to be like this before things changed um, and our industrial revolution happened um, that women would be careful the first 40 42 days some in some cultures longer some cultures might be one week less but usually it's around 40 days um, that she will just lie in bed she will be kept warm with the baby she will just stay in bed to be healed and to be cared for and loved, supported. In some places, you know, people will come with food. In some places, she'll get massaged every day or bath and warm bath and herbal baths. Her belly will be bind in some cultures. It's all about healing and breastfeeding and coming back together and nurturing the mother and the baby. And it's said that the first 40 days, how you spend them, it's going to set you up or set you up to fail for the next 42 years of your life so those yeah so those first weeks after birth I mean you you're seen and you've always been seen throughout the ages as very vulnerable you've gone from being full of birth right of, of pregnancy to going to be empty you have this empty hole inside of you that needs to heal and it does right it takes four to six weeks for the wound from the placenta to fully you know, close and heal up and for you to stop having discharge or bleeding. Um, it's a time where your body's finding her way back. You know, the hormones going from pregnant to not pregnant to them breastfeeding is a huge transition. It's a massive, massive hormonal event. You know, for this to smoothly take place, for the milk to come in, you need to just be resting continuing to keeping that oxytocin flow in that loving hormone continuing to just be in that bubble of you your baby your loved ones and keep the outside world at bay you keep them outside for you to fully transition and not only that like yes so we you know now we talked about the physicality like the, the body right but then your mind your heart your soul you know your spiritual self to integrate the massive event of birth and becoming a mother, you to allow yourself to go slow. We're such a fast-paced society. If we can just allow ourselves to go slow, we need to bring back slow, especially those first few weeks after birth, to be super slow, mm -hmm. gentle with ourselves emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually just be gentle with ourselves and our babies and just be in that bubble mm -hmm. 
And that will then, I mean, I see the difference between women who do this and who don't. It's so, so evident that if you do this, your energy will be back, like you're the glow, you're, you'll feel nourished in a whole different way than someone who hasn't. And I really believe in that. Like if you give yourself those first weeks, you'll cope better with the transition throughout the next year and years because they're hard. Yeah. You know, you, you can speak to that as a mother. It's so hard the first few years, especially the first one, to be sleep deprived and to, yeah, and to find your way uniquely as a family and that's going to be uniquely you know you have to find your way you can get input from others and you can take them on board and go is this valid for me or not but it's you who has to find the way with your baby who's very unique no baby's the same even when you have second children third children you'll notice every birth is going to be different every baby is going to be different right so there's not one way fits all it's going to be discovering every time you're going to be a new mother in one way every time you birth a baby even when you birth your fifth yeah because this baby's going to be yeah a new character needing new things yeah so true what are some of the key pieces of advice that you give to women wanting a natural birth well everyone's obviously so different um you know i really love what you're doing you know this is we have similar ideas here right with like storytelling is such a powerful thing because that is something that's so primal so that's how we've done throughout the ages that's how we've continued on wisdom right mm -hmm. before the written word which hasn't been that long you know storytelling so it's something deeply it just so it's so powerful right so i would say if you want to have a natural birth listen to only natural birth stories and mm. um, because this will program your subconscious mind so this is if this is your desire stay clear of anything else if someone wants to give you their horror story you say thank you you know i i, I don't accept your gift in, in yeah. some way or shape or <laughs> form you know thank you for wanting to warn me about what can happen i you know, I don't want to, I don't want to hear it. And I'm so sorry, this was your experience. You know, I can point you to someone you can go and, and talk about your trauma, but it's not with me, you know, to stay clear from anyone who wants to share horror stories, to not watch it, to not listen to it, to really just focus on only programming your subconscious mind and your conscious mind with positive, natural birth stories, if that's your desire. And then we all learn differently. So, there are so many ways that you can learn about physiological birth. You can decide to hire a doula that can be your one-on-one -on -one coach that can come to you and maybe do, you know, one-on-one -on -one, um, education around that and preparation. There are obviously physical birth classes you can take. I would definitely research that to make sure that it's going to give you what you need. So not every childbirth education course is good when it comes to wanting to learn about the physiology and also about how to optimize having a natural physiological empowering birth and so to do your research around that and choose wisely mm -hmm. um you can do that online i mean i have the natural birth course designed for just this purpose you can do it you know with coaching online as well obviously there's so many practitioners out there you have to find the one you resonate with that speaks your language that you again use your intuition right just but I would definitely say educate yourself. So I would definitely say somehow learn about it. There are books, obviously, if you like to read books. But I would say to actually invest in 
um, educating yourself, whether that is buying a book, buying a course, hiring a birth worker, support person, um, especially if you are choosing to have a hospital birth. I would say always, but especially, essentially, um, to have a natural hospital birth. You need you need to invest your money and time in preparation for that, for sure. And to, it's not important that you have a nursery or things for the baby. Your baby needs nothing but you can be naked on your skin for the first six months. You know, it can, you don't need to buy anything. Mm, yeah. Yeah. But you need, like, you should see your birth and invest in your birth as much as you would in your wedding, I would say. Truly, especially the first time around, it is worth every dollar, especially if you really understand that one in three women will have a traumatic birth. And it's not because of the woman, it's because of the system Mm. and our misunderstanding of our own bodies and the power of birth. And the thing that I've noticed when women go through my course, especially when I talk about how the womb works, when it clicks and they understand how amazing the body is and that truly your body's going to do the work for you, you don't have to do anything more than trust it. But the thing is, you can't trust something you don't understand, especially because we're so heady today. This is where education comes in. It'll calm that worried mind. Because I know a lot of women will be like, I, I don't even want to look at it because I think it's so scary. But actually looking at it will take away so much of that power that fear holds over you. That's a lot of things that I work with women around is like facing their fears. And we talk about their fears, ins and outs, and we prepare for anything that could happen. How can we do it in the best way? Even the most scary scenario, we talk about it and go, okay, so if this happens, it's very unlikely. But if it does then we do all of these different things and you're supported in these different ways. And this is how we can, you know, nurture you afterwards and whatever. We just plan for every occasion. And that takes those fears, they they diminish, you know, and it takes the power away from them. And then most likely they won't happen because you then can relax and your mind is like, okay, we've got this, got it all covered. We've done everything you can do. Now I'll just go down this route of having my birth and my baby. Yeah. Yeah. As I was listening to you, I was reminded of this meme or post that I saw recently from one of the birth leaders that I follow, who I actually have a lot of respect for, but um, this particular post, I wasn't vibing. And it was basically something along the lines of, you don't need to read all the books. You don't need to do all the courses. You just need to trust in your body and trust in birth, which don't get me wrong, is absolutely right to a degree, but then for the women, like you've mentioned, how do you trust something you've grown up your entire life being taught isn't trustworthy? Mm. So I guess I just wanted to get your opinion or your take on that. Yeah, that can that really rubs me up the wrong way. Because yeah, me too. I also understand. <laughs> yeah, because because I see the effects of that, and they're not good. Mm. You know, I see the effects of women winging it and going. You know, I trust my body. I trust birth. I'll just go into the hospital and have a natural birth. Like I can do it. Mm. And that's the thing. Like I come out of this being a midwife in the system with trauma, so I come from that place going, how can I help women not have that? You know, I'm very passionate because I have a lived experience of years in that system. And it's, let me tell you, not a good system to birth in. And so I, you know, I know the ins and outs and how to work that system (laughs) if you are going into it. And that's what I help women understand and realize. And yes, it's true. Like 
yes, you can be one of the lucky ones that do have a natural physiological birth that was empowering in the hospital, but you are the unicorn. Mm. You're not the rule, right? And I think that's what women need to understand. Yeah, yeah. So educating yourself not only on the physiology of birth but learning about the system if that's where you choose to give birth and what is going to be offered to you, understanding the language they use so that you don't feel like your choices are being taken from you. You can actually make informed decisions for yourself. Yes, and that's it. That That's an empowered birth. Yeah, is to is to feel fully involved and respected and heard and not um yeah like you said that taken away from you so i mean i that's another part unfortunately i would say two-thirds of the coaching i do is birth trauma healing mm. i wish it was the opposite i wish that was like a, a smaller part but unfortunately you know and i love what i do and i love that i can hold that space but i don't want that to be you know that that's such a huge part of what I have to do is to actually do that and a lot of the times I would say 95% of the time of birth trauma that women come with me when we go through their notes they tell their stories unfortunately I can see and I'll I'll share this with them you know that this unfolded and this is the reason and at the end this happened because of the interventions that was done this early in the process and this again is why I wrote the blog post and why I say to everyone you have to understand the effect of everything that they offer and you have to make a decision before you're in labor this has to be a process before you're going through it because even making those decisions in labor takes you out of your birth process it interferes with the physiology takes you into your neocortex it takes you out of the birthing brain and it becomes then a, a longer, more painful labor because you all of a sudden have to leave that process to mm-hmm. to talk and make decisions. You shouldn't be doing that in labor. Yeah. Again, you know, it is avoidable, but what it needs is a woman fully claiming her birth. And that's a scary thing. Yeah. It is, you know, for most people actually to be like, okay, I'm going to take full responsibility for this this birth experience. Not many women today do that. And we have to ask ourselves, why? Why do you want to be saved from this really powerful, potent rite of passage? Mm. It comes down to like that question, like why? You know, look at your life, like, you know, explore yourself. Where's your decision-making coming from? This is a really powerful thing that you get the pleasure and the honor of experience as a woman to birth life. How can I reframe in my mind this, which maybe I find, you know, I'm scared of, or, you know, I say that, you know, one of the most important things to prepare for birth is to look at all your fears and face them. That's the number one thing that I do with women that I work with is the biggest chunk of thing we do is that is the most important and education, but like the fears, that's where the crux is because if you hold the fears and you don't look at them they will surface at your birth altar Mm, yeah so true so for the women listening who are currently or planning in the future to work in the birth space is there any advice that you could share with them well as a birth worker it's essential that you trust birth yeah and i say that knowing that especially if you work in the system in the hospital 
you don't tend to see many fully natural physiological baths. Depends where you work, but in some places, like there's doctors and midwives who've never seen a birth that has not been intervened with. So, so wild. It is. It is wild. It's so crazy, but that's the truth, especially in the bigger tertiary hospitals. Um, and your, because your energy, your presence is everything to create this safe space. Because we know if, if you understand the physiology of birth and, and all women wives know this, however, they might not have been able to practice this depending on where they work. But if you want to hold that physiological space, you need to hold a space that's very calm, that's very safe, like you're safe, you're calm, your nervous system is calm. So again, you know, if you work in a big tertiary hospital, maybe you have several women on the labor ward birthing at the same time, maybe you're caring for two at the same time, maybe it's really stressful. This is, this is a lot to ask of these midwives to hold this space, but that is a space that needs to be held in the room for birth to unfold as harmoniously as possible. Mm -hmm. And the midwives who do this know this already, so they don't need to hear this. It's the ones that don't, that have forgotten, you know, that this is actually the safest thing you can do for a woman is to be the safe anchor for her. And to practice that, I would say some of the most unhealthy people is healthcare workers because they're stressed overstretched they work night shifts they eat lots of chocolate and sugar and fast food and stuff to keep them going mm. it's a very unhealthy um group of people unfortunately especially the longer you work in it because it's such high stress environment and birth needs the absolute opposite it needs someone who's very calm who's very her nervous system is very calm and so i mean i my advice is max your self-care up your meditation and yoga practice because i feel for the midwives in the system you know i really feel for the midwives in the system because many of them are such heart-centered woman-centered women and especially the most recent ones who've you know come out of uni the last maybe 10 years who've all gone through the midwifery straight midwifery entrance who've learned about the her story about midwifery learned about the physiology of birth learned how to be those space holders and the advocates for natural birth you know you learn to become a rebel really in uni and then you come out into a system that traumatizes you and women and is so highly medicalized that to survive you almost have to desensitize and become a part of that system and so it's so hard that question that you ask you know what what's my advice my advice is you know to care for yourself as much as you can to be as whole as you can for the families obviously that you're caring for and and so i would say self-care yeah self-care is so important amazing advice what an absolute honor it has been to have you on the show today Anna thank you so much for coming on and sharing your wisdom with us well thank you so much guys been a pleasure talking to you and thank you for sharing this positive birth stories they need to be heard that brings us to the end of today's episode i am a huge fan of anna so this really is such a special episode for me to release i hope you all enjoyed today's conversation as much as i did if only we had an extra two hours to dive into more things 
You can find the links to Anna's offerings and her social media in the show notes. And I highly recommend you go and check out her phenomenal podcast. She has so many inspiring women from all around the world sharing their birth stories. So go and immerse yourself in all of that birth magic. Please reach out to Anna using the links in the show notes if you have any questions about today's episode. And let me know what you think of today's show over on the PBA Instagram. I always love hearing from my listeners. And if you love PBA, I would be forever grateful for a subscribe or a rating on your podcast platform. This helps us to continue this work and reach more women who need it. Thank you so much for listening. I will see you all next week for another episode of Positive Birth Australia.